last week, Wayne did a really good talk on saying what we mean and let our yes be yes. And in that talk, he made the comment that he likes to be liked. Well, my confession is that I hate being misunderstood. I think that being misunderstood leads to confusion and separation and a lack of intimacy and trust. Today, we're coming to a passage that I think is often misunderstood. And as a result, it leads to a sense of confusion and separation, a lack of intimacy and trust with God. My hope is that in looking at it a bit closer, we'll grasp what Jesus is saying, we'll understand it and we'll apply it in our lives. I'm going to read to us from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. This is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Yet again, Jesus takes an old teaching and raises the bar. As he does that, there, is, there are some common misunderstandings that emerge. And, and we need to be careful of them as we come to this text, because it may be that we're carrying them. So the first misunderstanding is a misunderstanding of what is actually being said. So... Let's be clear. We can often think that um, this applies to um, war. So we might think that actually if a tyrant were to invade, then um, we should turn to them the other cheek also. And this has been misapplied as um, a, a justification for pacifism and that actually we shouldn't engage in any form of violence at a corporate level. But actually, in this, um, Jesus is dealing with one-to-one engagements. I'll come back to that in a moment. Another misunderstanding that I've I've actually come across in encounters with people is that um, there's a kind of pacifying behavior that is required of this so if you're um, involved in an abusive relationship that actually you should be turning the other cheek and and um, welcoming yet more abusive behavior towards you you might find that surprising but actually it's surprising how many people in abusive circumstances come to this passage and misapply it And what I want to say to you is that if you're in a situation like that, then I want to encourage you to get help. And it may be that it's necessary for you to leave that. These interactions that Jesus quotes are instantaneous and not repetitious. So let's get back to um, what Jesus is actually doing. It's an instantaneous moment not repetitious, and it's an interaction between two people where one person is wronging the other person. Jesus is addressing these types of encounters in a context where the law allowed for -for like-for-like retaliation. 
So the the teaching was that in order to stop escalation of violence, people were allowed to respond at the same level in order to exact revenge. And Jesus is saying that that isn't enough. In those circumstances, revenge is not okay because revenge and peace can't coexist. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus has said just moments earlier, revenge and peace cannot coexist. It's like oil and water. If you put oil into water, in essence, it gets thrown out. It doesn't mix. These are two motivations, two attitudes that cannot intermingle. Now, that's obvious when we think about it. But if it's obvious, why is life not like that? Well, the second misunderstanding is that it doesn't apply to us. Well, one of the things that we can tend to do with this passage is to apply the list literally and in its limited form. I did this when I came to this passage in my 20s. So uh, this principle only applies if I'm hit, sued or enslaved. So um, in my life in those days, I didn't uh, face the the danger of being enslaved. Um, I didn't face litigation and I wasn't hit very often. So I was ready to interact in that way if those circumstances came along. Um, But actually, um, for the rest of my life, it didn't apply to me, especially when um, colleagues badmouthed me or when family or friends betrayed me. I can forget this passage because those types of examples weren't examples that Jesus gave. Uh, We have to understand that Jesus is not giving an exhaustive and complete list. And because of that, the principle underneath it means that no one is exempt. This passage applies to me because actually I'm like this. In my factory settings as a human who is sinful, like everyone else, I'm wired to revenge. When we had our first child, I looked at him and I thought he was amazing. And he was amazing. And I wondered how he could do anything that would be unpleasant to anyone because he looked so innocent And before his brother was two years old, he had pushed him over to the floor. In defence of the older brother and the younger brother, what then happened was that the younger brother then got up and pushed the older brother over as well. They and we are all under the curse of sin. And in that curse, our factory settings mean that we are hardwired towards revenge. And sometimes it's a physical thing as much as it is an emotional and mental thing. We're all wired to revenge at a human level. So it's not just me, it's not just you, it's how we interact. So this passage is going to take an effect when you go shopping 
and somebody does something that annoys you and jumps in front of you in the queue like somebody did to me the other day or when you drive down the road and somebody refuses to wait for you or if you play sport or even attempt family gatherings somebody somewhere is going to wrong you in a one-to-one situation and this text is for you. Do not believe the lie that it's for somebody else. So we can misunderstand what's being said and think it's about war or particularly abusive circumstances. It's about one-to-one interactions where one person wrongs the other. And we can misunderstand that actually it applies to you and me. A third misunderstanding is why Jesus wants us to do this. Often we think that actually this raising of the bar that Jesus brings, that we should turn the other cheek, um, that we should um, uh, give them our coat um, or that we should um, uh, walk the extra mile is to diffuse situations. Because in doing that, we avoid conflict escalating or in fact, we avoid any conflict at all. A second is that um, it's a really dramatic way of showing them up for their motives. Now, those two motives, those two reasons are true. But if we just sit with those, then all we have is Jesus as a really good ethicist, somebody presenting a better way of living. But when we follow Jesus, we don't just have an ethic, we have a friend, a saviour and a Lord, the Lord. (laughs) And what we then discover is that why God wants us to do this, as well as lots of other things, is, is actually discovered in who he is, in his nature. So God is not petty. He's not petty. The Old Testament refers to him being slow to anger and rich in love. Apparently in in the Hebrew um, of of that phrase, it's uh, the image infers that of a a horse's long nostrils. So that when he's frustrated, it's almost like there's a long, deep breath that comes out rather than a flaring breath of anger. And, and so that he is not petty, he's slow to anger. He doesn't return our complaints with his petty complaints when we pray to him. And often we pick revenge in really petty circumstances. God is not petty. And when God lives in us, He doesn't want us to be petty either. That's why we're not to return an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But it's not just that he's not petty. It's more than that. God is judge, not us. Sometimes I can be slow to exact my revenge on somebody. I delay my justice so I don't respond instantaneously but I calculate how I can bring revenge over a period of time 
I don't, hopefully I don't do that now. Um, but about 20 years ago, somebody put me up for an audition and um, I found out that they put other people up for that audition without me knowing. And I knew that I was never going to get the opportunity on the basis of who else has put up for it. Um, and, and when I found out, I, I went around making sure that other people knew that that person had put me forward and that was really unfair. And so although I didn't explode in the moment at that person, I made sure that lots of other people knew that that person had done a wrong thing. So I had put myself in the position of judge over that situation by delaying justice um, and putting myself in the position of judge. God is the judge. He doesn't judge. He is the judge. It is in who he is and he invites us not to step into that territory ourselves. We are to still ourselves in moments where we are wronged and make sure that there is a clear line between us and him. Seeing ourselves as people of eternity with a different horizon, knowing that one day all things will be well and it's him that will set all things well and it's him that is to judge. So in those moments where we say he is judge and not us, we are understanding and applying this text well. When we grab at judging, we are misunderstanding this text. So God is not petty. God is judge, not us. And God is love. At the cross, God met our sin by taking it on himself. And because of that love, what happened for me was a peaceful reckoning where I was able to see in him my own sin. I could see the consequences of my behaviour in him as he took it on himself. And when we do the same with others, we're simply pointing them through echoing his behaviour to the cross. We're pointing them to the cross by echoing his behaviour. This is who God is and this is who he is in Christians. I hate misunderstandings. When we have understanding, we have trust, we have knowing, we have love, we have intimacy. When we strip back all the misunderstandings, we can understand that this passage is about wrongdoing between one person and another and that revenge and peace cannot coexist we understand that everyone is under this passage and that there is no that there is an ethic in this but actually 
this is who God is. Who he is in us leads us to fulfill what Jesus asks us to do. So if you're watching this and you are not a Christian, I would want you to just look at the cross in your mind's eye and to look at who Jesus is and what he has done. In himself, he took your sin on his shoulders that you might be set free. You might like to do the Alpha course or to read a gospel, study more about who Jesus is and what he's done. If you're watching this and you're a Christian, and you're thinking to yourself, actually, I fall foul of this. I want to encourage you to repent and to let him continue to change you. That this God who is at work in you wants to lead you into a new life. And then if you're watching this and you're thinking, I've got this nailed. There's two things I want to say to you. One, watch out. But secondly, Actually, you may have grown into maturity and there'll be others around you who need to make that journey. And so I want to encourage you that the work that God's done in you is something that you can pass on to others. Let's pray.